Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. So the Lord Jesus, he fought Satan as a man. The Lord Jesus beat Satan as a man. And that's important for us. And that's why it's right there in the beginning of his ministry. Because when we picture ourselves as the brothers back here in Genesis 45, then we can see that the Lord Jesus as a man was our Benjamin. There's a man today in heaven. There's a man in heaven in the person of the Lord Jesus. He's the beloved son of God. He's the beloved God, the son, but he's also the son of man. And he's the beloved Son by God the Father. There's a special relationship between God the Father and the Lord Jesus. Now, that's what's all happening in verse 14. Now, Joseph has finished kissing and crying on Benjamin's neck, and now he moves to the brothers in verse 15, where it says, moreover, he kissed all his brethren and wept on them doesn't say that he wept on their neck. I don't know, he probably wept on their shirt, whatever. But he wept, he kissed them, and he wept, wept, wept on them. And then after that, it says, after that, his brethren talked with him. So we can imagine here how when Joseph shows all this affection toward Benjamin, that the brothers may have thought, well, that's what this whole thing has been about. Oh, we were just tools just to get him reunited with his full brother, Benjamin. And, and that's the reason why he was doing all this insisting about bringing Benjamin down. It's all about Joseph being reunited with Benjamin. Maybe we can just slip out now, you know, and leave Joseph and Benjamin together alone, and he'll forget about us. So you can understand how the brothers, after seeing this special display of affection between, between Joseph and Benjamin, how they would have been thinking like that. But that all changes in verse 15. That all changes in verse 15. When Joseph turns to them and kisses them. Now, kissing is a pretty individual thing. You know, you you don't kiss a group. You kiss people, right? And so he's kissing them all one by one, not as a group. One by one. Probably starting with Reuben. With Reuben. And, And so you can picture that. He's got Reuben in front of him here. He's, he's gonna, he's, he's kissing him. He's, he's crying on Reuben, but he's looking right into Reuben's eyes and he's weeping. And he remembers how it wasn't very long ago that Reuben said for the whole group, thinking that Joseph couldn't understand him, we are verily guilty concerning his blood, Joseph's blood. And then he remembers that. Then he moves on to Simeon. And again, he looks right into the eyes of Simeon. He kisses Simeon. He weeps on Simeon. And he remembers 
how hard-hearted Simeon had been, but he forgives Simeon. And then he goes on to Levi, same thing, look in the eyes, weep, cry on him, and, and, and speak with him. And then he moves on to Judah. Now that would have been special when he looked into the eyes of Judah and, and, and kissed and wept on Judah because it was Judah who took the lead in speaking for his brothers there. And so he, go, he moves on from one to the other, talking with them, looking into their eyes, weeping on them, kissing them. And it's like, really, when you see all this weeping, you know, he, he, he had a tremendous capacity for crying, you know. And it was a lot of, a lot of liquid there. But really, he, it says that he wept on them. He wept on them. It's kind of like the, 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 like the brothers were baptized in this flow of tears from Joseph. As a matter of fact, that's what they all had in common. They all had in common. They all got kisses and they all got, they, they, they all got Joseph's tears falling on them. And this went on from one brother to the other brother. It was very moving. You know, the kissing, the weeping on them. And this is where Joseph is really exercising a very special, unique quality that Joseph had. What was that? Joseph had this unique quality that when he spoke to a person, he was able to totally focus on that person and give his 100% attention to that person. Joseph had this hawk-like focus. That was Joseph. It didn't matter whether it was the baker that he was interpreting that in dream from or the butler he was interpreting that dream on or the pharaoh he was interpreting that dream. He was able to shut everything else off, everyone else off, and just you were the only person in the world when you were talking to him, to Joseph. That's what we see Joseph doing here in verse 15 as he moves from one brother to the other, kissing, talking, weeping. And it's so dramatic It was so dramatic on the brothers that it says at the end of verse 15, after that, his brethren talked with him. After that baptism of Joseph's tears and the kisses, his brothers talked with him. Now, you say, well, okay, what's that mean at the end of verse 15? After that, his brothers talked with him. Well, you got to go back to verse 3 to see. You got to see in verse 3, that from the moment that Joseph said, I am Joseph, that it says in verse 3, and Joseph said unto his brethren, I am Joseph, doth my father yet live? It says his brethren could not answer him, for they were troubled at his presence. So from the moment that Joseph told them that he was Joseph, something happened to the brothers. They couldn't talk. They could not speak. He asks them a question, does my father yet live? They don't say a word. They can't talk. They can't speak. They said nothing. He says, he, in verse 4, he says, come near to me. They came near, but they said nothing. So from verses 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, Joseph's doing all the talking. Joseph's doing all the talking. The brothers say it, don't say a word. They're absolutely paralyzed in the tongue. They can't speak. They're silent. And that's what it means in verse 3 when it said his brethren could not answer him. Couldn't answer. Couldn't talk. They can't answer Joseph. They have no response to his question. They, they have no response to his command. 
They just no response. His brothers just didn't, they didn't, it wasn't that his brothers didn't want to answer Joseph. It was that his brothers could not answer Joseph. And so it says there, his brother, they could not. But it all changes. It all changes when he kisses them and weeps on them individually. That's what broke the paralysis of the tongue. That was a great significance when it says in verse 15, after that, his brethren talked with him. And of course, what do you think they talked with him when they spoke to him for the first time? What do you think they said? Hi, how you doing? (laughs) Hey, you know, so what's been happening in your life? Not at all. What they said to him were confessions, were apologies, were requests for forgiveness, one by one, individual by individual, as they talked to him. The past could not be glossed over with a, well, let's just let bygones be God. Bygones, let's let it forget, forget. Yeah, forget, forgive and forget. No, each one looked into Joseph's eyes and they confessed to Joseph individually their part in what they had done to him. And that's what's important because that's like that, that, that we see that as an illustration for us. You know, confession of sin is not general. It's specific and it's individual. It's not just, well, Lord, all have sinned and I'm a part of the all. So just forgive me like you forgive everybody else's sins. No. Just as Joseph had a private conversation with each one of those brothers, and that was their individual time for each brother to get right with Joseph by confessing what they were guilty of. So each person has a private conversation with with, with Joseph, just like each person who's saved has a private conversation with the Lord Jesus and confesses to the Lord Jesus his, his or her own personal sins to get right with the Lord Jesus. That's what we see happening in the Bible. That's what we see happening in the life of Isaiah, the great prophet Isaiah. It says in Isaiah 6, 5, when Isaiah says, then said I, woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, is what he said. And I dwell in the midst of people of unclean lips. Mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. So when Isaiah saw Jehovah Jesus, which he did in this chapter, Isaiah had his own private conversation with the Lord. I don't know how private it is. He wrote it in the book, and billions of people have read it. But anyways, it was at that time private conversation. He's the one who chose to disclose it. But he had his own private conversation with the Lord, and he confessed his own personal sin to him, which was what? So much swearing, so much profanity, so much foul mouth around the people around him got into his mouth, and he was just with the profanity and the swearing like everybody else did. And that's what he needed to get right with God on. He needed to confess that to the Lord. That was a private conversation that he had with the Lord. Now, and that's what we must do as it says in 1 John 1.8. 1 John 1.8 says, if we say that we have no sin, oh, we deceive ourselves. The truth's not in us. But if we confess our sins, that'd be, that'd be specific individual sins. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Okay, 
As it, you know, it is this, as if we, we come to the Lord and we say, Lord, we, we don't, we, you know, we don't come to the Lord and say, Lord, just please forgive me. Or if we said to the Lord, please forgive me, then the Lord would say, what do you want me to forgive you for? You know, it's a, what should, like he said to the blind man, you know, what do you want? And that's, that's what true confession is. So in verse 15, when Joseph's brothers talked with him, confessed to Joseph what they had done individually, now the air is cleared. The air is cleared. A new day has begun. All the past sins have been brought out on the table. They're now forgiven, forgotten, and that's what's so wonderful about confession and forgiveness. It just finishes the past, and it starts a new day, free from the burden and the guilt of sin. That's what's important to do when receiving the Lord Jesus, to have this private conversation with the Lord Jesus, just like verse 15, where sins are confessed, they're repented of, which means there's a determination not to repeat those sins. Then God's going to help. He's going to help with that determination and give the power to resist that temptation to sin again. That's repentance. That's what repentance is. And then there's a receiving of the Lord Jesus as God's all-sufficient sacrifice for sins. That's salvation. So there it is. That is confession. That is repentance. And that is salvation. And that makes a person a child of God and opens the door to heaven. So in verse 15, with the individuals coming one by one, the kissing, the weeping, the confessions, the conversations, there's a complete reconciliation between Joseph and his brothers. What a happy day for Joseph and his brothers. And this great reunion, this great reconciliation became famous in verse, it says that verse 16, the fame thereof was heard in Pharaoh's house saying, Joseph's brethren are come. It pleased Pharaoh well and his servants. Now, when it says there, the fame thereof was heard in Pharaoh's house, that meant that the reunion of Joseph and his brothers became famous. And when it says the fame thereof was heard in um, Pharaoh's house, that means that means that that's what everybody was talking about in Pharaoh's house. Oh, did you hear? Did you hear? Did you hear? Pharaoh, did you hear? Joseph's brothers are come from Canaan. Did you hear? It was a happy reunion. Did you hear? Joseph cried on each one and one by one. Did you hear? Did you hear? That was the, the you know, the water fountain talk <laughs> in, in Pharaoh's house. It was what everybody in Pharaoh's house was here talking about. Now, that's a picture for us when we see that. It's a picture for us of what's famous and heard about in heaven. You know, what's everybody talking about in heaven? Oh, did you hear? John fell under conviction when he heard that sermon last Sunday. Did you hear? He was saved. He, 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 he was saved and, and, and called on the Lord last Sunday. So when we read this statement in verse 16, and the fame thereof was heard in Pharaoh's house, we can see what's famous and what's being heard about in God the Father's house. It's all about people being reconciled to God. And we can see in verse 16 that it was, it was, it was so famous that the talk was simply called Joseph's brethren are come. And you know what will be especially famous and what we heard about in God the Father's house, it's going to be when verse 16 happens in the future. And then it's going to be just like verse 16 is going to read, and the fame thereof was heard in God the Father's house saying, Jesus, brethren, are come. And it pleased God the Father well and his servants. Now, what's this going to be referring? What am I talking about? What's this referring to? 
Romans 11.26. Romans 11.26 says, and so all Israel shall be saved. In case you don't know, all Israel is not saved today. Okay. And it, but it's, this says, so all Israel shall be saved. As is written, there shall come out of Zion the deliverer and shall turn away ungodliness from Jacob. And then it also states this in Isaiah 45, 17. Isaiah 45, 17, where it says, Israel shall be saved in the Lord with an everlasting salvation. And then it says, oh, Jeremiah 31 and 33, tremendous chapters. But in Jeremiah 31, it talks about days are coming that the Lord's going to make a new covenant with the house of Israel, with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that he made with their fathers in the day when he took them by the hand and brought them out of Egypt, because that covenant they broke, but he was a husband to them. But then he says in, in, in Jeremiah 31, 33, 31, 33, but this shall be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, saith the Lord. I'll put my law in their inward parts and write them in their hearts and will be their God and they shall be my people. And then they're not going to teach any more. People say, know the Lord, know the Lord. They're all going to know him. Why? Because he says, I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sin no more. And then he, and then it's just, it, it, then God goes on in Jeremiah 31, 35 to sort of, to describe now, are we really sure this is going to happen? Well, he says, look, he said, thus saith the Lord, which giveth the sun for light by day and the ordinance of noon and of the stars for a light by night, which divides the sea and the waves thereof. And, and the Lord of hosts is his name. And he said, if those ordinances depart from me, in other words, the sun doesn't rise in the morning. There's no more moon, there's no more stars, there's no more, you know, the sea and the waves. He said, if that happens, okay, then he says, then the seed of Israel shall cease from being a nation before me. Thus saith the Lord, if heaven above can be measured, so get your tape measurer out and try to measure heaven, and the foundations of the earth searched out, then I'll also cast off the seed of Israel for all that they have done, saith the Lord. This is not going to happen. It's not going to happen. That's why it says in Hosea 3.5, Hosea 3.5, Afterward shall the children of Israel return and seek the Lord their God. See, so all of heaven is living in anticipation for this day when they can say these words here in verse 16. Jesus, brethren, have come. And that's why why it's really important to go out and sow the seeds to the Jewish people. That's why we're having a conference on Jewish evangelism in February with Dr. Michael Brown and Ray Comfort and Dan Sered with Jews for Jesus and Steve Herzig from Friends of Israel. Why? To keep the fame alive on earth that is the talk of heaven, the looking forward to and the doing our part for to bring that about when all Israel will be saved. Now, we read about this famous saying in verse 16, which is Joseph's brethren are come, and it made Pharaoh happy. It made Pharaoh happy. It says that in verse 16. It pleased Pharaoh. Why do you think it pleased Pharaoh? He didn't know them. He didn't know who Joseph's brothers were. How come it pre, it pleased Pharaoh? That, 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 why would it make Pharaoh happy that Joseph's brothers were come? Because Pharaoh loved Joseph. Pharaoh loved Joseph. And Pharaoh and Joseph's brothers, Pharaoh and Joseph's brother, they both converged on the same person, Joseph. 
So Pharaoh loves Joseph. Joseph loves his brothers. His brothers love Joseph. At least we can put that spin on it. And it's this convergence on Joseph that brought Pharaoh to love Joseph's brothers. Now, that's a very, very important illustration for us because God the Father loves the Lord Jesus as we know when he said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. But then, and as the Lord Jesus said in John 3.35, John 3.35, the Father loveth the Son, and we love the Son, as it says in 1 Peter 1.8, 1 Peter 1.8, whom having not seen, you love, in whom though now you see him not, yet believing you rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. And that makes God the Father love us because we love God the Son that loves us, just as we see here with Pharaoh. As a matter of fact, Pharaoh was looking forward to when Joseph would present his brothers to Pharaoh and his father. And that's an illustration for us, which you will in a couple chapters, that's an illustration for us of when the Lord Jesus is going to present us to God the Father and he'll be able, because of his death for us, he'll be able to present us in a very special way which is the way Sam loves to pray in Jude one twenty four. Jude one twenty four. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling, and he's able also to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. See, because of his death for us, the Lord Jesus will be able to present us faultless before the Father, and there is going to be a lot of happiness over that. That's going to be a great day. Now, verse 16 ends with three very important words. And it says, the fame thereof was heard in Pharaoh's house, saying, Joseph's brethren are come, it pleased Pharaoh well, and his servants, and his servants. Now, that's added for a purpose there. Not only it pleased Pharaoh, but it pleased Pharaoh's servants. Why did it please Pharaoh's servants? Why did it please Pharaoh's servants? Why do you think? Well, they were happy because Pharaoh was happy. (laughs) <laughs> and what made Pharaoh happy made the servants happy. It's a very very important little note there because it shows us what a faithful servant is. You know, a faithful servant is one who becomes married with the interests of his master, so he lets the interests of his master infect him so that the interests of his master becomes his interests. It's an illustration for us of how we can be a faithful servant. We all want to hear what the Lord said in Matthew 25, 23. His Lord said unto him, 25, 23, well done, good and faithful servant. We all want to hear that. And so the question is, what do you need to do to hear that? What do you need to do that? How are you going to be faithful so you can hear that? And the key is the last three words in verse 16, and his servants. What pleases God pleases us. It's when what displeases God displeases us. And we see this in the angels, the angels who are faithful servants of God. And there's a scene that's described in Matthew 18.10. Matthew 18.10 says, Take heed that you despise not one of these little ones, for I say unto you that in heaven their angels do always behold the face of the Father, which is in heaven. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. 
Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org and sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestorationministries.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California, Santee, California, 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org, tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for the Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. Do you have fatigue or trouble getting out of bed or just getting through the day? Are you so tired you can't focus? Do you feel like your life is drained away? Do you have fibromyalgia headaches? I have good news for you. Our doctors at Scanabody's Imaging and Therapy can give you cellular ozone therapy. Why not get your energy back now by calling us at 1-888-529-9016 or visit us at treatmyfatigue.com. 